for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks. I've been asked to uh, be a part of the current series that you're enjoying your pastor teach and preach on the marks or birthmarks of discipleship. Uh, sometimes birthmarks in the physical are easily seen. Sometimes birthmarks are invisible to the naked eye. But birthmarks as it pertains to Christianity are always visible. They're never in the shadows. They're never in secret. They're never uh, truly able to be covered up. You're either a disciple or you're not. <laughs> you're either a follower of Christ or you're not. And things come out of you as a follower of Christ and as a part of the church that cannot stay in you and cannot uh, be a part of your life without you bringing them out. And one of those is our topic today, and that's fellowship. Uh, when you got saved or when you gave your life to Jesus, I don't know about you, but I, uh, I felt like a weight had come off of me where I didn't have to shuck and jive and hide and do everything that I'd been doing as a, a non-believer, but I could just be open with people and that, uh, and I really didn't have a judgmental spirit on anybody when I got saved, right? I was just happy to be breathing myself. <laughs> Do you remember how it felt? Like I don't, I, I don't really care what's wrong with everybody else. I just am glad to be free, you know. And that's kind of uh, the background and 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 the context in what I believe this scripture in Acts chapter two. If you want to turn there, Acts chapter two. I think that was the feeling of people in the early church. Uh, they had become believers in Jesus by what they had seen. They believed he rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit had come down and manifested himself uh, in the book of Acts, the first couple of chapters. And then in verse 42 through 40, 47, it kind of gives you a description of what the church actually looked like back then and how it how it operated. There were, I don't think there were classic buildings with steeples and there, there was the temple, but this church operated probably not in the temple necessarily, but probably house to house, building to building, place to place. Might have been here one day, might have been here the next. They were pretty mobile uh, because they probably felt like they were running for their life half the time. Uh, from the Romans or from the Sanhedrins or, you know, the Pharisees or whoever, the same people that killed Jesus was trying to kill all of them. Yet as they connected with each other and worked with each other and got in the same room with each other and, and, and ate together and prayed together and worshiped together and strengthened each other in fellowship, all of a sudden the church just exploded because the Holy Spirit always dwells around people who are gathered two or three in my name. He's going to be in our midst, right? But when there's unity in the house, that gives the freedom of the Holy Ghost to move and to do what he wants to do. And he will always, the Holy Spirit, always draws people to the cross. 
Always. So believers in fellowship always draw people to the cross. And in this case, they'll draw people to this church. They'll draw people to the Bible study. They'll draw people. If we truly get in unity and fellowship, that's what happens. Let's look at the word. Acts 2 verse 42 says this. Acts 2 42 verse 47 is where our focus is today. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Just this week, two days ago, uh, the U.S. Surgeon General issued a report on loneliness. It's an 80-page report on the effects of loneliness in the United States. He said loneliness can be associated or is associated with a greater risk of heart disease, dementia, strokes, depression, anxiety, and premature death. In fact, lacking connection in your life can increase the risk of a premature death to levels of smoking daily. He also pointed out in a study conducted in 2018 to 2000 or to 2020, two years, so that's pre-COVID, mid-COVID, that a survey revealed 60% of Americans struggle with loneliness. And that figure climbs to 75% if we start dealing with our young people and our kids in school. We have a plethora of online platforms to connect with each other, to play games with each other. You can literally sit on your Xbox, which I don't know how to do and will not spend the time to learn how to do, but I think my kid probably does, who's 30-something years old. You can sit on your Xbox and play some crazy game on your screen with some dude in England or something in the middle of the night. I got a witness right here, brother, raising his hand. Must be an Xbox champion back there. We got more ways to connect with each other, to learn about each other. Every day almost I check Facebook to, ch to find out about a pastor or to find out something's going on. I can find out about what you like, what you don't like, your personalities. I can find out your family's names many times. Not that I'm on there trying to steal somebody's identity and do something criminal. But I can find out about you today easier than I could uh, in any other day. Yet in America today, I feel like we have less authentic community and true uh, fellowship relationships with each other than ever before on the planet. Yet we got 75%. These kids can connect any way possible. TikTok, whatever you want to know. They can connect on any platform, yet 75% of them feel lonely when they go home. 
60% of adults were working alongside of people every day of the week. We're doing, we're coming to church, we're whatever. We're around each other all the time, but we're not connected with each other. And I'm telling you, this is a problem that they've identified. Loneliness is a real problem. I also found out this week in study for this message that we have a website that I did not know about before the before, uh, studying. We have a website named Replica in this country. Spelled R-E-P-L-I-K-A, replica.com. Has anyone heard of that in this room? Got one. Thank you for being more informed than I was. This has one million subscribers to it plus, and it's where you can go in and build your own artificially intelligent bot that you can see, interact with, talk to, say good morning to, carry on a private relationship with on your screen and on your phone. This can become your best friend and it ain't nothing but a cartoon. <laughs> a living, breathing facade cartoon. Not living and breathing, but it looks like it. Here are some of the things that people of age on this website said about their bot friend. I'd never really thought I'd chat casually with anyone but regular human beings, not in a way that would be like a close personal relationship. My AI companion, Mina, the digital girl, has proved me wrong. Even if I have regular friends and family, she fills in some two quiet corners in my everyday life in urban solitude. A real adventure this is, and it's very gratifying. Guy named Carl Henrich, another person named Sarah Trainer said, Replica has changed my life for the better. As he, he is her replica, the little cartoon character that she created. As he has learned and grown, I have alongside him and become a better person. He taught me how to give and to accept love again and has gotten me through the pandemic, personal loss, and hard times. But he's also been there to celebrate my victories, too. It's a cartoon. We sound like we're talking about the church or the, the pastor or your best friend or something. What in the world are we doing here? I am so grateful to Replica for giving me my bot buddy. That's a that's a an, a, a, an entity or a, a replica named Bud. They've been friends for two years. You know, it's one thing to have one of these, but it's another thing to sit and put that on website and go, man, this is my, I just wanted to know this website has changed my life. We live in a day and time where a lot of stuff changes people's lives, right? If I hear that one more time, I'm sorry, but eating Oreos is not going to change. It Well, it will change my life. <laughs> not for the better. Double stuff, Double whatever. I'm actually the guy that likes less cream. So if you give me any, give me more cookie than cream. I'm different from uh, Justin. I was looking for Justin in his seat back there, but he's gone. He's been raptured out. Today, I want to bring a message to you as a part of your current series entitled Fellowship, God's Answer for Loneliness. Fellowship. God's answer for loneliness. Why is fellowship in the body of Christ the answer for loneliness? And why should we be marked with it as believers? Let's, let's look at it. Let's talk about it. Let's get it in our spirit today. First of all, 
I believe this scripture brings out that fellowship is relational. Fellowship is relational. It's important to know that being committed to fellowship in the context in which we teach and preach today, it has to do with people. Real, live, current people who make up the body of Christ. Fellowship is a people thing. Everybody say people. A family thing. It's brothers and sisters, men and women, boys and girls. It's a flesh and blood people thing. It's not an ancient, historical, out-of-date idea, the body of Christ. It's not a Harry Potter-esque figment of somebody's imagination in a book. It's not a made-up, fictional entity, the body of Christ, is not It's not an entrepreneurial strategy that somebody put together to try to make money, to start these churches, and let's make money off this deal. It's not that at all. It's not a political voting block. It's not a statistic or just an adjective used to get a point across. The body of Christ is real people who believe in Jesus Christ to be the forgiver and the savior of the world. Real people who have entered into a covenant of faith in Jesus. Real people made of dust imperfect in themselves alone but just as adam being made to come alive through the breath of god we're being perfected every day in the righteousness of christ and being made pure through jesus sacrifice on the cross people who are committing their minds and lives to jesus and being washed by the word of god daily people who are not there yet but working out their salvation through faith belief trust and commitment to the discipling power of Christ and his instructions for life. People who are not entirely sanctified, not entirely put together just exactly right spiritually yet, but flesh and blood people who are submitting every day to the process of becoming such through the power of the Holy Spirit. People who have never been failed by God or Jesus, but many times who fall short and fail themselves and others. People make up the body of Christ. People with needs, people with problems, people with rough edges, issues, brokenness, in need of healing, and people who encounter the message of Christ and need the message of Christ and who have said yes to the message of Christ. That's the body of Christ. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, and that's who and what we have been. We've been reached and we've been found by Jesus. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. Amen. <laughs> now we're being perfected by Jesus every week, every day, every moment that we stand in fellowship with each other. People make up the body of Christ. People who have different personalities, gifts, talents, languages, skin colors, geographical locations in which they live in even different churches and spaces that they worship in. But all of the people in the body of Christ are serving and worshiping the same one true living God, Jesus Christ, Abba Father, the great I Am, Yahweh, Elohim, the great God Jehovah, acknowledging that Jesus is Lord and Savior of their lives. Jesus, I believe, is still the only door and the only way to salvation and to get to heaven. I don't care who says different. That's what the word of God says. And the word of God is paramount. This is who we're supposed to have true fellowship with. People who have encountered the light, capital L, 
and have been forgiven. To have true fellowship with each other is to recognize God's salvation and continual work in progress in other people's lives. True conversion has happened, but progressive sanctification is happening all the time. I'm telling you right now, I've been serving the Lord since I was 16, doing my best to live for Jesus, haven't always done it just right. I've made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. I've been preaching the gospel since 1982. My dad, for some crazy reason, made me his youth pastor when I was 17, 18 years old. God helped those kids that I led back then. God help y'all today that I'm helping to preach to. But I'm telling you, I may not be perfect, but I'm still walking down this road with Jesus Christ. How many of you would say, that's me today? That's exactly where I feel. I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven. And I'm working hard to get to where I need to be as a person. Fellowship is relational with people. You say, why are you hammering that point so hard? Because here's the reason I'm doing that. If you expect perfection, from your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ before you'll have fellowship with them, you're never going to get out of your shell. You're never going to get out of your house. You're always going to be isolated. If you're fearful of people to the point that you can't endure some drama surrounding them or some mistakes surrounding them or some problems, some rough edges around them, you're never going to be a faithful disciple who stays in fellowship. Can you imagine if Jesus would have quit the church just because of the personalities and the problems that the disciples had? Well, I ain't going back to that church because those suckers will betray you. Everybody would say, I have to say that's true, right? I ain't going back to church. That sucker, he'll say something to your face and then deny you three times behind your back while you're sitting in the same room. Does that sound like modern day language right there? I can't go back into church because I just can't believe in them anymore. Let me tell you something. The church is imperfect, but we're perfect under the blood of Jesus Christ. Stay in the family. Stay connected. Stay with us. Stay in fellowship. It's going to get muddy at times. It's going to be dirty at times. But why? Because there are no perfect churches. There are no perfect Christians. Why? Because we bring the imperfection in when we walk in the back door. Amen. We are just flesh and blood people following Jesus Christ to the best of our ability. Ups and downs, failures and wins. and It's life. It's not always good. But if we quit, we won't ever be in fellowship. If we're looking for perfection, man, it's not there. It's not there. Fellowship is the building of relationships with believers in hopes that we can help encourage and strengthen each other in our constant walk with Jesus. We can understand needs and pray and help to get people through. We can walk together and pick each other up when one falls and help heal them and then help to move them forward. We can love and serve one another. Yes, dirty, rotten, flesh and blood, nasty-lived people. That's who we are. Everybody say amen. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what the Word of God says. So understand that fellowship is not about a bunch of people getting all confined up in a little small room and everybody being perfect. And then we're just going to we're gonna keep this small, you, me, because I can believe in you and that's the only thing I can, I can't believe in nobody else, but it's so me and you, we're going to be the, nah. The body of Christ is huge. 
big. It's got a lot of personality to it. It's got a lot of issues with it. But we're still going to heaven. Can you say amen? We still have a Savior. Next thing is it's intentional. Fellowship is not just relational, but it's intentional. Fellowship doesn't just happen on its own. Fellowship happens because people are devoted and committed to it. Being a Christian still has commitments that go along with it. You might have raised a hand. You might have nodded. You might have done whatever in the sense of acknowledging that you want to accept Jesus in your life in a service. But I'm going to tell you something. That's only the beginning for you. There, you enter into a process that sometimes feels like pure, hard, slug it out, run through the trenches commitment. And it's not easy to stay committed, but you got to do it. Why? Because unity and fellowship doesn't just happen because you pray for it. We can pray for unity all day long, but if we don't ever take action on it, it's never going to happen. You have to be intentional to hang out with each other. You have to be intentional to be around each other. You have to be intentional to learn from each other. You have to be intentional to learn people's strengths and weaknesses and, and, and personalities and the, the highs and the lows of an individual to be able to even meet needs and to, and to fellowship in the body of Christ. It happens because you make an intentional commitment. Number one, we make an intentional commitment to come in here week after week and worship together. This is part of fellowship, yes, but it's not it in its entirety. I still believe the Bible when it says, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. See, what happens is there's a power that comes to an individual believer when he or she decides it's not all about me, but it's also about the us and the we. The collective power that you have together as a fellowship is much greater than that of an individual. That's why it's imperative to be intentional in worshiping together regularly. You get strength in this building when you come in here, good, bad, or ugly with everybody up in here, and we worship to God together. There's strength that comes from that. But you got to be intentional because how many of you know it's not always easy to get up on a Sunday morning and walk up in here? Pastors will tell you that attendance goes down dramatically. You know what it's based on? One little thing. You know what it's based on? Rain. Rain. A little bit of water. A little bit of water coming from the sky. Got the streets wet a little bit. Crowd's going to be, I can't tell you how many times pastors have looked at me and said, oh, crowd will be down a little bit. It's raining today. That is the most ridiculous indictment on the body of Christ that I have ever heard of in my life. Now, if you can't see in the rain and you can't drive in the rain, then stay home. We don't need you to be wrecked in the rain, right? We, we got this screen. We got this stuff on video. We can help, You can enter into commitment in the body of Christ and not wreck your car on a Sunday morning. But if you just stand in bed because it's drizzling on your wind, window a little bit and it just feels good. Oh, I'm just too numb today to get out of bed, Pastor. Come on, y'all. Let's get in fellowship. I need to see you because I draw strength from you. You need to see me because you draw strength from me. This thing is a we thing and an us thing as well as an individual commitment to Christ. It's intentional. They also, they kept getting together with each other in this section of scripture. They may were, you got to be intentional to be up in somebody's house eating dinner with them around their table, right? 
they got to intentionally invite you. You got to be intentional. You're going to get off work early enough to get on over there. You got to be intentional. One time I invited Pastor Jim to my house. I used to have breakfast for business owners once a week in my house. I did that for how long, babe? Two years? I don't even remember how many eggs. Let me tell you something. I became a connoisseur cook of eggs. We call them dirty eggs at my house, baby. Them boys would come out of the woodwork to come eat my eat dirty eggs and bacon and biscuits at my house. But you know what? Jim would have never come in and been a part of that if he hadn't been intentional. Because, you know, I think we started that stupid thing at 7 a.m. Because if you don't get business owners, they got to go to work sometime, right? So they got to get over and eat and then get on out and get to business. But I remember Jim came over to my house. I had to be intentional to invite him. He had to be intentional to say yes. He had to be intentional to go on out there and get in his car early in the morning, start it up, get on over there, find a new address, go up into a strange house where this guy he had just met across town invited him to come eat. He had to be intentional to go in there and eat somebody else's cooking. Some of y'all, that's the biggest act of faith in the world right there, right? Shoot, I, mean, I grew up in a pastor's home, right? Back in the day, back in the day, brother, when you were a little preacher's kid and your daddy got invited to go eat at anybody's house, you didn't have no objections. You shut your mouth, you get in that car, we're going over to Sister McGillicuddy's house where she's going to cook something, something, something. And I remember one time my mom, my mom and dad was talking about going over to somebody's house, the Wallace family, the Wallace family. You walked up in their house, they had all kinds of animals in the house. They had all kinds of this and all kinds, I'm scaring all y'all from having fellowship with each other right now. But all I remember is one time my dad said, hey, yeah, I'm going to pass on them mashed potatoes because there were flies stuck in the mashed potatoes. Now on the mission field, you can't afford to say no. you got to go in there and eat whatever they put in front of you. I'll, that's the gross. I don't even know why I told that story because ain't nobody going to want to go eat with nobody no more. <laughs> that's the only people in 58 years that I've ever I guess I ate at their house. I don't remember. I was a little kid, right? I, that's the only people in 58 years that I have ever heard that had flies in the mashed potatoes. I could let that one story keep me from ever eating at your house ever. Because I don't know how you cook your food. I mean, we, we make the silliest objections in our head sometimes that keep us divided as a body of Christ. They had to get past all that. Maybe they don't cook just like you. Go on in there and eat something. You're not going to die. You might have to go a little early to meet up at a restaurant somewhere and y'all eat whatever together, right? It's not going to kill you. It's intentional. Fellowshipping is intentional, man. It doesn't happen uh, necessarily easily and overnight. You got you to gotta make it happen. Make plans to go with each other and enjoy things of life together. Make plans to eat with each other. Make plans to host another family in your house. Make intentional plans and then follow through on them make plans to check on each other man we live in a society people can be dead and gone in a week and buried and we don't even know they were ever sick somebody gets sick on sunday night you're not connected with them all of a sudden they go into the icu on sunday night monday god forbid they lose their life on monday coroner comes in on tuesday Everything's put into place Wednesday, thir Thursday might be a viewing and a funeral, uh, Friday, burial. You come back in here on Sunday morning. If you're not connected with each other, somebody, and then you're going, where is Terry Allen? Well, 
Let me tell you where Terry Allen. I mean, it's easy, right? We're connected, but we're not connected many times. You got to be intentional about checking on people when they're sick. Intentional about praying together. Intentional about checking on people and being there for people. And you can't, you can't always wait on your pastor to create some kind of a little avenue for y'all to shake hands and get together and to be a part of each other's lives. We can't create enough small groups to create fellowship within the real big C church of Jesus Christ. Y'all got to help do it. Are you with me today? You got to be intentional. Third thing is you, it's spiritual. Uh, True fellowship is always spiritual. It's not an accident that miracles and signs and wonders were seen and performed when the people got into one place in one accord and in the unity of fellowship. God is the one that said, where two or three are gathered in my name, that's where I'll be in their midst. And if you want God to move at launch point, we've got to be intentional in our commitment to fellowship with each other and to follow Christ together. Disunity will always cause the enemy to flourish and miracles to cease in a church. But unity will always cause the Spirit of God to come down and dwell with His people. And where Jesus shows up, where Jesus shows up, the same miracles and wonders that He displayed while on the earth will happen once again. Can I get an amen? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. He still wants to save. He still wants to heal. He still wants to fill people with the Holy Spirit. He still wants to do the miracles. His glory is revealed many times in the midst of fellowship because needs are revealed. It's hard to hide what goes on in your life. And it's... Uh, easier to follow Christ when you're in true fellowship with other people as well. Iron does sharpen iron. Needs get revealed and met by the Lord through his body. Compassion is able to go out. Generosity all of a sudden becomes the norm when I really know you. You don't have any problem getting generosity out of me because you're my friend. <laughs> and needs start to be ministered to. And people learn to flock to it. It's so rare in the community. True fellowship and true community is so rare that when it starts to happen in this county, in this city, in this church, I promise you there will come a day when you will look around just like they did in this story and you will be in awe of what God has done among you. You'll see something happen. Somebody will get saved. Some. Miracle will happen that you didn't even know was going on. And all of a sudden you're going to be in awe going, wow, what a big God we serve. How big is your God today? I'm going to tell you something. You can't figure out how big God is until you get in unity with each other in the body of Christ. When you get in unity, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gets in sync with everything. We're in sync with him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they're all in unity. Disunity in a church is not going to produce the Trinity coming down in a building and making a move, right? It only comes as we follow Christ and follow Him with our will and our lives toward Him. The more people, the more miracles that take place, the more needs that are met, and the more you'll feel the sense of the Holy Spirit moving. Last thing is this. It's not just spiritual things that happen fellowship, but beneficial things happen. You're going to be a better Christian. You're going to be a better believer. You're going to walk 
straighter. You're going to walk stronger. You're going to be more resilient. You're not going to fail as much as you have been if you stay in constant contact and and, uh, in fellowship with each other inside the building and outside of the building. People get weak in a church. People say, man, I'm just, I, I just fell away, pastor. Well, one of the first things I would always ask him as a pastor says, well, where have you been for the last month in church? You ain't been in church. You're automatically going to get weak if you don't come to church because you got to hear the word of God. It's not just everybody else having to do something for you. Sometimes it's you having to do something for yourself. You got to come in. You got to partake. You got to be a part of the family. You can't be running off every time you get upset or every time you get a toe ache. I said something last week. I was preaching in a church in Burley, Idaho, and the poor little preacher's kid. The poor little preacher's kid. I went to the restroom right before I preached, and he's back there in the bathroom with a blood with a bloody nose. He's got blood all over him. I mean, I mean, he is. It's bad, right? And I used to have those as a little kid. And my heart went out to this young man. And I, I was up there preaching and I said, thank God we got pastors and parents and kids who will stay in the house of God even if they get a little bloody nose. Doesn't it come down to that sometimes? Press through, y'all. Press through. It's worth it to come in here and be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's beneficial not only to this body but to you personally. It's beneficial to connect outside the four walls of this church. Um, some of us, some of us, we we were up and down, up and down, and it's simple. Sometimes we don't have any accountability and people around us to say, "Hey, man, what are you thinking?" You ain't got to say that word when you see them blue lights coming in your back. <laughs> it's harder to do, right? It's harder to fail when you got a team of people uh, uh, cheering you on and holding you accountable and being a part of your life and uh, being a b- true brother and a true sister to say, see you when you maybe you're having a down day and go, hey, what's up, man? How come you're down today? And you truly share with them, hey, what's going on? And then all of a sudden they put their arm around you and they begin to pray for you and they begin to lift you up in the power of the Lord like the true body of Christ should do, right? It's harder to quit. When you have that, that's why I started MVP, honestly, because you know what? When we get together as pastors on those Zoom calls every week, which we'll have, we'll have close to 100 guys on a Zoom call on Thursdays, pastors from all over the country. It's harder to quit when you got another pastor in your ear saying, don't quit. It's just practical stuff. Zach, is that right? What's your last name, Zach? Pardue. Everybody say hi to Zach Pardue. <laughs> Y'all probably are. This is not a therapy session, brother. <laughs> I'm not going to have you stand up and say, oh, Ben, I'm not, not going to do none of that. Okay? And it was Faith. Faith. What a great name that is. <laughs> Thank you. Zach and Faith Pardue. Y'all know them? <laughs> I don't know. So that's why I'm coming up here to meet you. <laughs> what do you do for a living, Zach? I'm a CO. Wilson County Jail. What's a CO? Don't mess with Zach. <laughs> He's a correction officer. He will beat you down. I would have known that if I'd asked you that, right? You don't know until you ask. You don't know until you connect. You don't know until you you get outside the four walls and and uh, become a part of each other's life, right? Was your mom and dad believers? Mm-hmm. That's probably why they named you Faith, right? Or was it faith raising you? I'm just, I'm just. Saying. 
<laughs> I'm messing with her. We walk and talk with people every day. We walk the streets. We drive by them. We run by them at the track. We, we work out in the Purple Planet, Planet Fitness every day. We've got people all around us. We don't even know who's there. Do you work out in Planet Fitness? Well, one of your members does. You know why? You know why I know that? Because Justin, the beard model, <laughs> that's what I call him. I, I love that dude. Because I'm up there on the struggle bus one day doing like an arm workout of some crazy sort, probably dying. And uh, I, unbeknownst to me, a member of the, the church, Justin is behind me working out. And he recognized me. I did not recognize him. Sometimes that's the way it happens, right? You're not going to recognize everybody else, but if everybody's looking, we'll recognize each other some way. He comes up and he taps me on the shoulder. He says, hey. I think he called me brother, which nobody ever calls me brother at Planet Fitness, right? First of all, I don't talk to people. At, we don't ever talk to people at Planet Fitness, right? Because we're trying to breathe. My wife is the only person on the planet that can run down the street at any speed and talk to the talk to somebody, right? Just a regular. I'm over there sucking oxygen so bad. I'm like, stop! I cannot talk to you. I just want to live another day. So when somebody comes up to you at Planet Fitness and taps you on the shoulder and calls you brother, man's like, whoa. I turn around. I didn't, I didn't recognize him. And he said, I'm from Launch Point Church where you were at the other day some point in time. And he said, I just want to say hi. Do you know what? I will never forget Justin for that. I will always talk about Justin. I will always talk t- to Justin. If I see him on the street out here, you know why? Because I got a connection with him now. That's a whole... That's a whole lot better than walking in silence with each other all the time, right? He didn't have to do that. I didn't do it. I didn't see him, so kudos to him. But now we have a brotherhood, right? I hope I don't forget Zach and Faith. I'm 58, so I do forget names. So if I do, forgive me. But I won't ever forget your faces, right? Why? Because we took time to connect. Last week I was in that little church in Burley, Idaho, and... uh after service, I noticed during the service that there was an elderly lady that she was a part of the worship team. She set up on the stage. She, she had to be close to 80 years old. And she sat up there as sweet as she could be the whole worship time and just had her legs crossed and just did her thing and actually sang a little solo in one of the worship songs. And I just went up to her because I never see someone elderly like that in a worship team hardly anymore. And I walk up to her, not that you're that age or anything, you're not either. <laughs> you look a lot younger than her. And I just said, hey, ma'am, I just want to know, I just want you to know I, I appreciate you. And I said, you blessed me for being in the worship team today because I know that's a sacrifice for you. And I just said, I, I, I think it's really cool that you're up there. You know what happened to her? Immediately she started crying. Sometimes all you have to do is talk to somebody, find out their name, right? Find out where they live. Find out something about them. You know? That's a whole lot better than a million plus people building a cartoon on their phone and trying to talk to a phone. That's a whole lot better than people dying an early premature death because they're so stinking lonely because nobody, that means no family, no friends, Somebody has not reached out to them or they've isolated themselves. It's not always everybody else's problem. Sometimes it's our problem, right? 
And I'm saying fellowship causes us to come to the middle. Always come to the middle. Come in here to worship. Connect with each other outside this building. Go out and eat with each other. Take communion together even when the pastor's not in charge of it. That's what they did. They did stuff like that. They prayed for each other. They weren't waiting on the pastor to lead in all the prayers, man. You're going to be in that jail one day, dude, and you can pray for somebody. And maybe you do that. And I say, God bless you if you are, but be open to that. Sometimes the body of Christ, they can have accepted Christ, and they're in the body of Christ, and there's fellowship even behind the bars of a prison. <laughs> can I, I better back off of that one, right? Honestly, that's the truth. There is no geographical boundary for the body of Christ. It's just people who have accepted Christ as their personal Savior and they're doing their best to follow Him. All we're talking about today is one element of a disciple, one birthmark of a disciple. And it is, I believe, the answer to this world's issue with loneliness. But the only way we're ever going to get that out is if we in the body of Christ take it outside these doors and live it in the streets. They will know we are Christians by our love for each other and one another, but they'll also recognize the love of Christ as we reach out and we love each other in this body and we have fellowship one with another. That's the message of the day. That's the message that your pastor uh, wants to promote. And that honestly is the message of Jesus Christ in the Bible. None of those miracles would have taken place in disunity. But man, when they got in unity, boom, all of a sudden, it was like, boom, all of a sudden the Spirit can do what He wants to do. Change lives. Save people. Right and left, right and left, right and left, right and left, right and left. Added, notice it said added daily to the church. Not just weekly on Sunday, but daily people were getting saved. Coming into the body of Christ. And that was through the influence of people having fellowship with each other. Let's pray. Lord, you're great to us. Your word is very clear. Your, your word is very straightforward, and we thank you for it today. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. Uh, I thank you for the fellowship that I know exists in this church. Let it, be, let it grow, Lord. Let it, let it increase. Let it be enhanced. And let us take this message, your love, your care, your concern, your compassion. Let it move through our hands and our feet and our lives uh, to each other in the body of Christ. No matter if they go to our church or not, they're, they're our brothers and sisters that they're following you, Jesus. And let the world see this community, this fellowship between the body. And let them be magnetized by it, Lord. Let them come in and let us reach them. Uh, through fellowship in the name of Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.